One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Pitts. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about the wood chipper murder. And I'll be talking about a robbery gone horribly wrong. Everything in your cases goes horribly wrong. I'm sorry, do you want me to talk about bunnies and rainbows? There's tons of court cases about bunnies and rainbows. You know, I would love that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Is there like a My Little Pony lawsuit? (laughs) Brandy, it's been a while. It has been. Glad to be back. Feels like home. (laughs) I mean, this home for you. (laughs) (laughs) Feels super homey to me. I feel like I could just get in bed right now. <laughs> You've been off traveling the world. I've been seeing eight million family members. Yeah, you're on the world tour of Johnson County. That's right. <laughs> I flew to Florida for for a wedding, a beautiful yeah, wedding. Yeah, what a beautiful wedding. Sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, was like, the bride a whore? Oh God, that's the next lyric. Oh in that shit. Song. Okay, I'm cutting this. <laughs> No, so my cousin Jenny got married to a wonderful guy named Rob. Excellent. Very exciting. A happy wedding. Happy Congratulations. Wedding. Best witch- witches. Best witches to both of you. <laughs> no, may, may your marriage be spooky and fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going first. This you time. are. I'm so glad that you remember. Because I know numbers. <laughs> That's right. Are you familiar with this one? Only because... Somebody tweeted us it, right? You are so right. <laughs> and the person who tweeted us was Kate. I'm not going to say her full name because I don't know if she wants yeah, me to say not. her full name. Um, Kate reached out to us on Twitter. That got caught in my throat. Kate. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. <laughs> no, so Kate. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> anyway, Kate reached out to us on Twitter and she was like, hey, have you guys thought about doing the murder slash disappearance of Hella Crafts? And I was like, oh, I had never heard of it. I didn't know about it. I'm pretty sure. So I watched an episode. episode oh, shit. This couldn't be bad. <laughs> I was trying to, like, loosen them up. <laughs> <laughs> Like you were trying to get down a grapefruit in one. <laughs> That's what you did. Oh. Now are you thinking about the grapefruiting video? Yes. <laughs> Should we talk about that, or is that too horrifying? Yes. If you okay, if you've seen the grapefruiting video, you one hundred percent know what we're talking about. Yes, you do. If you haven't, you've got to do yourself a favor. Not at work. Not at work. Not safe for work at all. Mm -mm. Do it with headphones on and like a blanket over your phone so nobody sees what you're looking at. It's this woman who is demonstrating what she claims is a great blowjob technique. It involves a grapefruit. Norman showed it to us, and we and were, for the first like forty five seconds, we were like, "The hell are you showing us?" Uh-huh. But if you hang in there, it is hilarious. The noises, yes, my god, Woo, yeah, you got, you got to listen volume up. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, that was relevant. Okay, yes. so Hella Crafts, yeah, here we go. Okay. You were actually like on the way to tell us something. Oh, about it right. Okay, hang when on. We got distracted. <laughs> so, 
I watched an episode of Forensic Files for this, uh-huh. and I'm pretty sure it's like the first Forensic Files episode ever. Ever? Yeah. It's like episode one? I think so. Wow. I did, here's the thing, I did all the research and writing for this before Florida, now it's after Florida, so I'm a little oh, fuzzier yeah. Fuzzy on, on the detail. details. Got I'm it. pretty sure it's the first episode. Excellent. Okay. Pretty sure it's a murder that happened. <laughs> uh... <laughs> the defense says it's a disappearance, so who knows? In the fall of 1986, hang on. No, I'm talking about what's that noise in the background? Oh, I just did a load of laundry. Maybe that's it. Oh, it's on spin cycle, I bet. Okay. I'm sure it won't pick it up, but. Okay. According to Norman, nothing will be picked up by the mics. Uh, tons of stuff is picked up by yes. the mics. Yes, he's always wrong. Uh, If you listen closely on the last episode when we Uh were like, I don't know if it was last episode or episode before. I don't know. Some some former episode episode where we ask if Norm is yelling at the top of his lungs. Uh, If you listen closely, you can actually hear him. And, you know, here's the crazier thing. If you listen to our episodes backwards, you can hear (laughs) the best witches (laughs) wishing you good wishes on your marriage. Check it out, folks. You won't be disappointed. Okay. Back to it. In the fall of 1986, 39-year-old Hella Crafts had a problem. She was unhappy in her marriage. She suspected her husband Richard was having an affair, and she was pretty sure she knew who he was cheating on her with. So Hella got an attorney. She hired Diane M. Anderson, and she told Diane, Look, I'm the mother of three young children. I'm pretty sure my husband is cheating on me. He's also been violent with me. Oh, shit. I want out. Yeah. And Diane said, okay, first things first. If you suspect that he's cheating, let's get to the bottom of that. We can hire a detective from the Mayo Detective Agency. Mm. And the detective can determine Mayo whether or not. Mayonnaise. <laughs> Is that a song you're making up on the no, spot? No, it's from Bedazzled. It's a really deep you cut. You watched yeah. Bedazzled? No, like a million years ago. When it came out, we watched it oh, together. We ne- I have never seen Bedazzled. We saw it in the theater. Wait. Elizabeth Hurley is the devil. Brendan Fraser has like, I don't know, 10 wishes. You wish you saw, you saw that alone in the theater? No. Just like you saw you Beauty and the Beast? You were there. <laughs> we were in middle school. And we saw Bedazzled? Yeah, what movie do you think it is? No, I, I'm pretty sure I... Okay, I'm going to be honest. At first, I thought you were talking about that Christina Aguilera and Cher movie. Oh, yeah. Burlesque. <laughs> but now I'm with you. I know which which movie you're talking about. And we 100% saw it in the theater. Here's why, you're, here's why you're probably right. <laughs> there were only so many things to do in yes. Jackson County growing up. It was either go to Oak Park Mall or go to the movies. Yeah. Or hang out in my basement. Yeah. And you know... You've got a few days in the week. Once you do the Oak Park Mall, once you do, what was the name of that movie theater? We would always West Glen. West. Oh, sorry, didn't Still realize there. you had an ownership. It's in called it. something else now. Mm-hmm. It's called B and B Theater Shawnee Eighteen. Kate, you guys want to do a tour of our lives? <laughs> we recommend the popcorn. <laughs> uh, anyway, how do how do we get on that? Mayo, mayo, mayo. Oh, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, pretty soon, private investigator Keith Mayo was mm. on the case. Hella provided Keith with a pretty big lead. She said, I've been looking at our phone records, and there's one number that keeps popping up. 
It's a long distance number, and I don't know who it's for. Mm. Keith immediately got started, and this was not a tough case to crack. Richard definitely had a girlfriend, and that phone number belonged to her. So Keith goes out, he takes a ton of pictures of the two of them, and, you know, he got pictures of them kissing, pictures of them being affectionate. In other words, cheating for sure. Yes. No doubt about it. Caught (laughs) red-lipped. You know, because her lipstick came off on his lips. I gotcha. (laughs) Yeah. So on a rainy night that fall, Keith took all the evidence to Hella. She was devastated. She sobbed for a solid five or ten minutes. She had suspected something was up, but it was... She's that devastated? She knew it was going on. Oh, oh, wow. I don't mean... Sorry, that did sound very insensitive. (laughs) I mean, it's one thing to have suspicions and... You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Good grief. I'm sorry. That was very insensitive. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you get that out? (laughs) No, I can't. I'm sorry. We don't have the technology. (laughs) For real, do you want me to cut that out? No, it's fine. Everyone who thinks that Brandy is a turd should write it. <laughs> By the way, we got another email. Guy says he's team Brandy. Ooh. And he apologized to me. I want him to know I do not accept. <laughs> <laughs> so even though she suspected something was up and totally shouldn't have shown any emotion. <laughs> she you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was hard to have it confirmed. They'd been married for 12 years. They worked in the same industry. Uh, Hella was a flight attendant and Richard was a pilot and also a part-time police officer, which I know. What? I have the same reaction. Those are two jobs I definitely think of. You're one or the other. You're and not you're both. probably full-time on either of yes, those. Yes. All right. I dabble in piloting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no expert. <laughs> now hop aboard. Yeah. <laughs> So Hella was upset, but she knew what she had to do. She had to file for divorce. Yeah. So she did. But this wasn't a standard divorce. Around, Are they rich? Um, no. He's not a pilot. Pilots. But, I mean, he also has a part-time job, so he must not be like... Yeah, and I don't know. They showed photos of the house. It was just a, you know, a nice, like, ranch house out mm-hmm. in Connecticut. You know, I, I... Connecticut, though, like... Very fancy people in Connecticut. And, I mean, I think, like, any house is expensive in Connecticut. Did I ever tell you? So, my brother-in-law, Jay, is from uh-huh. Connecticut. Yeah. And the first time my grandpa met Jay, <laughs> after after that, you know, the meeting was over, yeah. grandpa goes, he has an excellent grasp of the English language. <laughs> <laughs> people from Connecticut, they're fancy. <laughs> Even if they've got modest-looking homes, very pricey. <laughs> See, I, I, you might be right. They probably did have, you know, okay. good money. It's not your average divorce. Not your average divorce. Around that time, Hella told her friends, if anything ever happens to me, don't think it was an accident. What? Yeah. That's so scary that she thought yeah. something was going to happen. If you ever said that to me, I would lock you in my basement and no one would be allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. Where's Brandy? I don't know. Brandy who? (laughs) (laughs) Never heard of her. But you two are long-term friends. I don't know the meaning of that. (laughs) She said the same thing to her lawyer. I mean, it sounded like she, she let everyone important in her life know 
something happens to me, yeah, please be suspicious. Mm-hmm. At the same time, mm-hmm. Hella decided. Sorry, what the hell was that? <laughs> It was a throat clear. I didn't write into the microphone. I'm very sorry. It's okay. Around that same time. (laughs) (laughs) Scared the shit out of me. I'm so easy to scare. (sighs) This week in in Florida, you know, six-year-olds, they want to scare the adults. They want to go, boo. And it never works on any adult because what adult like screams. You were playing peekaboo and you were legitimately scared. I was sitting out on the deck and Allie just came up to the screen door and said, boo. And I about lost my shit. (laughs) You are too easy to scare. She was very satisfied. Uh, Let's see. Good grief. Um, Hella decided to stay in the house while the divorce proceedings were finalized. She told her friend that if she were to leave, Richard would have a, quote, well-thought-out plan to find me. Hmm. She also said that she was afraid if she moved out, she might lose custody of her three children. Mm-hmm. So she stayed in the home. And also, when you're in, a, in an abusive relationship, leaving is the most dangerous time. Yeah. So I wonder if she thought, for my safety, yeah. I'm not going to rock the boat too yeah. much here. Then, on November 18th, 1986, Hella arrived home from an international flight. Her best friend dropped her off. A few days later, Hella was scheduled to work. But she didn't show up. Oh, no. Didn't even call in. Oh, no. Yep, her friends were like, oh, shit. Something has happened to her. He did something to her. They called the Crafts home, and they got Richard. But Richard was not worried. He said, oh, Hella flew to Del- Denmark. She visited her mom. Her mom's sick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where's the tickets and show me some proof. Give us a phone number. Brandy, calm down. Hey, <laughs> you know, you're getting real nosy. <laughs> so he stuck to that story for a while, and then he changed it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, well, Hella is on vacation. She's in the Canary Islands with her best friend. Did he tell her best friend that? <laughs> Hella's friends were like, no. She's no way. not. No. And we're, they were all pissed because they all thought they were her best friend. And here <laughs> she is on vacation with some other bitch. That's exactly. <laughs> they were like, well, I'm done with her. And that's why this went unsolved. <laughs> so they're all getting these different stories. They don't trust Richard. So they called Hella's attorney, Diane. Mm-hmm. They said, Hella is missing. Diane, by that point, was like, okay, I know Hella well enough that she wouldn't just leave her three kids. Yeah. And Richard is a massive sketchball. So what did Diane do? She called her buddy Keith Mayo of the Mayo Detective Agency. Mm -hmm. Keith was like, oh, well, you know, who we should really be calling is the police. Right. (laughs) So they go to the Newtown Police Department to report Hella missing. But according to Keith, the police really didn't give a shit. Yeah. He said, they turned a deaf ear on us. But Keith wasn't deterred. He was like, okay, if you don't want to investigate, I will. He starts interviewing people. And one of the people he talked to was the Crafts live-in nanny, Don Thomas. Can you pause one second? Sure. It has nothing to do with the case. What I, did you look well, up? Well, that's where Sandy Hook happened. Yeah. 
Okay. Anyway, that's the only reason I knew how to pronounce Newtown. Yeah. Because to me, it looks like Newton. Newton. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. She had some interesting insight. She said that shortly after Hella disappeared, she noticed big dark stains on the carpet. And by big, I mean like grapefruit size, not to bring up the video again, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) She mentioned one just inside the master bedroom. That's concerning. Yeah. She said it was fairly sizable and definitely new. And then, oddly, even though that carpet was fairly new, Richard ripped it out. Mm-hmm. When Don asked him why, he said that Hella wanted new carpets in there. But Don was like, mm, Hella really liked that carpet. She told me so. Mm-hmm. Keith soon discovered other things. Richard and Hella always had a big freezer in their garage. Is it missing? Because mm-hmm. <gasps> she was inside of it. Then there was Richard's credit card statement. It showed that shortly after Hella went missing, he rented a wood chipper. Oh, no. He bought a deep freezer. <gasps> he also bought a new comforter for his bed. Oh, no. At some point, the police did get interested in this case. I don't know when, but I assume Keith was like, hey, I got all this sketchy information. I mean, I think the sketchiest item on there is the comforter for the bed, because what man is buying a comforter for the bedroom? I would die of shock and be suspicious as hell if I came back from vacation and Norm had like a new duvet. Yes. I'd be like, what the fuck happened? Yes. Most suspicious item on that list. For sure. So, like I said, at some point, police did get interested in the case, and they brought Richard in for a lie detector test. Mm-hmm. And he passed. He did? Yeah. Hmm. He's a pilot. He's got, like, nerves of steel. Also a part-time cop. Yeah. He knows how to beat a polygraph. I Okay, I wish I could remember what podcast I listened to on this, but it was by the person who created lie detector tests, uh-huh. and he... He is now a crusader against them because oh, yeah. like, they're so, they're easy, so to easy to beat. I've heard him speak before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was fascinated. I mean, he yeah. talked about like, you know, the person was interviewing him and he was like, and they were like, well, but wouldn't it be kind of difficult? And he's like, uh, no, here's how simple it is. Think of a happy place that calms you. Okay, now anytime I ask you something uncomfortable, think of the happy place. Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. Sure you can. Yep. So anyway, skeptics were like, he has experience with the police to the police force. He did a stint with the CIA's Air America. Maybe he's got the skills to pass a lie detector. No, you think? Police are in a bad spot. Hella is missing. And even though a lot of people are saying it has to be Richard, they don't really have they don't have a body. They don't have yeah. anything. Yeah, because it's been through the wood chipper. Ooh. Brandy. Maybe he was just doing some home improvement. So they called in the director of the Connecticut State Forensics Lab, Dr. Henry Lee, Mm. which I had the craziest moment because I read this script and then I rewatched. I'm rewatching The Staircase on Netflix Uh right now. Um, They call him in for Uh that one, too. Yeah. Huge fan. Yeah. I I might do The Staircase. Oh, yeah. At some point. It's going to be like a multiple parter, though, wouldn't it? It's such a long. It's a really long one. But oh, my God, I love it. Oh, so do I. It's so good. Do you think he did it? I know we've discussed this before, but 
I have questions. See, Norman was making fun of me last night because he's like, oh, are you watching that thing about the guy who murdered his two wives? And I was like, first of all, the first one was not his wife. It was his friend. Yeah. And yeah, it looks pretty bad. It does look pretty bad, but... I've got questions. I do. I think there's still questions. Yeah. He... Yeah. Okay, well, we'll save it. We'll save it. How about we stop this entirely, talk about a totally different case, and then jump back into this one, huh? So on Christmas Day, 1986, Dr. Lee went with police to search the home. Richard had taken his kids to Florida for the holidays. So police went into the home and poured over everything. The place was a mess. There was missing carpet. There were bare mattresses on the living room floor. What? Oh, yeah, just normal stuff. Yeah, because his wife hasn't been home to. But even then, why would mattresses be yet weird? Yeah, I don't know. Then Dr. Lee found something. Five tiny stains on the mattress. They were so small that you couldn't see them. But he did. Because he's a trained... And he had his, like... I mean, like, to the naked eye, you couldn't really... Do you like how he I was did using this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was using my microphone as a microscope. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he did it. I'm sorry. He put a mattress under his microscope. <laughs> <laughs> he has a huge novelty microscope. <laughs> he put the mattress between two glass slides. <laughs> Why is this so hard to understand? (laughs) This is science, Brandy. (laughs) Then Dr. Lee noticed that all the towels were super clean. Mm. They'd all been recently washed. Mm -hmm. So he gathered them up. When he took them back to the lab, he ran some tests and discovered that at one time they'd been soaked with blood. (gasps) Then he ran tests on the mattress. It was human blood. And it was the same blood type as Hella Crafts. Mm-hmm. So this is before DNA stuff. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. He also determined that the blood on the mattress wasn't period blood. It was circulation blood. Uh-huh. Which would be important. Yeah, because yeah. honestly, that was my first thought was yeah, like. Yeah, like that doesn't mean anything necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Got blood on my mattress. No one's been killed there. That's too much information, Crystal. Oh, you don't have blood on your mattress? <laughs> So, I I was reading, like, old articles about this case. Yeah. There was this one. Ugh, I I want to punch men who are just like, about period <laughs> stuff. Because this one guy wrote this article, and it was like, the blood on the mattress was determined to not be from a female medical issue. And... Oh my gosh, you can't say, were you? (laughs) Like menstrual? Yeah. I honestly was like, a female medical, what does that mean? And then it took me a minute to be like, oh my gosh, that's just like going out of your way to not say period. Which like, by the way, it's such a normal thing. Let's all calm down. Oh my gosh. Anyway. He also determined that because of the blood spatter, it would have had to come when someone with Hella's blood type was kneeling beside the bed. Ooh. He also found a six-inch smear of blood on the side of the mattress. (gasps) Based on his expertise and the angle of the splatter, it looked like she'd been hit with a blunt object. Mm -hmm. Then they found the freezer. Or at least they thought it was the freezer. Where'd they find it? You know, I don't know. 
If we'd done this episode like a week ago, I'm sure I would remember, but I don't anymore. That's okay. I can tell you all about the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> they had, um, I love it when people do this, the little things of tomato basil soup oh. with little grilled cheeses. <gasps> so good. On closer inspection, the freezer they found was old. It wasn't the one that he just recently was it the purchased. One, oh, God. <laughs> but was it the one that they always had in their garage? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So there's... So he has purchased two freezers. I know. Why? So where's the other one? Did he need two? Did she not fit in one? Hmm. Hmm. So oh. many questions. Oh. Will we ever find out? You better not. There better be answers to all these questions at the <laughs> end, Kristen. You are not great about wrapping things up. You know what? I'm really not. I have noticed <laughs> when I go back. Like, I have this habit of being like, let's table this. Come back to it later. Yeah. We never do. No. So from now on, if I say that. I will call you on it. Thank you. Because yeah. there have been some things that like. Uh-huh. I've had some brilliant insight that we've just not gotten to <laughs> missing out because on I it. brilliantly forgot Forget. it. <laughs> Which is weird because I'm such a stable genius. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, happy new year to all my haters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? It's not funny. It's but not. No. It's really just depressing. You have to laugh so you don't cry. <laughs> yeah. I think even just like if it was just we have a president who tweets in all caps, that would be alarming enough. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, this concludes the political part. Worse would be if it was like a selfie of him with his like blue blockers on. He was like blocking out the haters. <laughs> you know what? Then I would at least think he was funny. <laughs> but it's bad when someone's like. You know, if the haters and you feel like they are really serious. Oh, yeah. 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 Ugh. Okay, let's continue on. Okay. Can't talk about this anymore. Okay. Um, Where was the new freezer? Where was it? But more importantly, where was the body? Yeah. And where was the weapon? Police needed more. They looked back at the time period when Hella went missing and remembered that it had snowed that week. So they talked to every snowplow driver they could find. And one of them had some very interesting info. He said that he'd seen a man in an orange poncho using a wood chipper over a bridge with a U-Haul parked nearby at 3.30 in the morning. That's not suspicious at all. I, You know, okay... This was before cell phones, obviously, so I yeah. feel like we got to yeah. cut him some slack. But don't you think there are some things you see that you would just immediately be like, I'm going to let the police know? Yeah. And that might be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> police searched the riverbed, but all they found were wood chips. But then, buried amidst the wood chips, was a piece of mail. It was addressed to Hella Crafts. <gasps> Five Newfield Lane, Newton, Connecticut. You want to look it up? Newtown, Connecticut. Newtown. Thank you. God. Yeah. What is it? Five Newfield Lane. Newfield is all one word. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seeing a tree. See what I mean? Like it's an it's a nice it's house. It's a chunk of property. It looks. You like. You know what? You're right. They they probably were pretty. Yeah. Well off. Yeah. But can you imagine, like, 
Surely, if you live in one of these places, it's like a 50% discount, right? 50% discount. (laughs) Don't you think? I feel like in real estate, there should be like, and there's a 50% discount for how creepy it is to live in this home. (laughs) Would you live in that place? Uh, Would you live in the Amityville Horror House? Oh, yeah, just because I think the house is beautiful. So it all depends on how beautiful the house is. Yeah. You're not that. I'm not into this house. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I could live in a place where something like that had happened. I think I could. I'm very basic white girl about vibes, you know. Yeah. I'm picking up on some weird vibes. I think it's because I read a bunch of stories in a newspaper about <laughs> how people were murdered here. <laughs> I mean, if I looked at the house and, like, felt something weird while I was there, I probably wouldn't live there. But What if you were in there looking at it, everything seemed fine, you felt like, okay you know, whatever, someone has obviously burned sage in here. And then you felt a tap on the shoulder. I would have run out of And it was me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they find this piece of mail. Yeah. Addressed to Hella Crafts, which, okay, I just made this big show about how, oh, we're going to talk about stuff later. No, I'm going to say this right now. The defense attorney later says, I couldn't find out if he said this at the trial or if he said it just to the media, Uh but he claimed that that was planted there by police. I do think that's possible. Totally possible. Because, yeah, why would I mean, how small are the wood chips? Exactly. And how is the address staying intact underwater? So. They said that this was actually out Oh, like in the on the woods. bank? But here's the thing. So I'm going to tell you the other things they found. They found hair. They found tiny bone fragments. They found a gray piece of metal, which was determined later to be like part of uh, a, a crown. Yeah. Ooh. So they find all these tiny, tiny things, but they also find mail yeah, like with a the address intact. Yeah, like a completely intact address label. Yeah. And I feel for them because like they don't have a body. Maybe it was f- planted. By the ghost of Hella, what's her name? Crafts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was kind of like, it was like in that movie. You know the one. Bedazzled. <laughs> no. Burlesque. No. Glitter. Um, what lies beneath? <gasps> we loved that we movie, did didn't love that we? Movie. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. We about lost our shit we in did. that movie. We did. Have you watched it as an adult? It's probably yeah. one of those things that sucks as an adult. No, I still like it. It's really? pretty good. Okay. Yeah. There's like some good like suspenseful moments. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> the way you said that. Did you ever watch Jiminy Glick? Yeah. <laughs> the way you said that. <laughs> suspenseful moments. <laughs> and you had like a little wiggle. <laughs> you know how he would sit in his yeah. chair and just like... Ugh. Thank you. You're for telling me I look like Jimmy Glick. <laughs> you asshole. That's a huge compliment. <laughs> I don't think so. So they found blonde hair, tiny bone fragments, a gray piece of metal, and then as the snow was melting, they found a painted fingernail. Ooh. Yeah. Was it her color? Yeah. Ooh. It, okay, going from memory here, it matched... The nail polish that was on her nightstand. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That's not great. Mm, well, whose side are you on? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, it's not great for Hella. Probably means she was oh, yeah, not a wood chipper. Okay, fair, fair. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. The good I- the idea is that she's in Holland yes. or in Saint What's Its Butt. Where the Saint Canary Bart's Island. Canary Islands. <laughs> Saint What's Its Butt. Everyone's favorite travel destination. The police sent divers into the river. They found a chainsaw. With the serial number scratched off. Mm-hmm. When they got it back to the lab, there was human tissue in the chain. Of course there was. And some blue fibers that matched the blue fiber- fibers they'd found along the riverbed. Mm-hmm. So they had this theory, like, she had a favorite nightshirt that yeah. she would wear that was blue. Mm-hmm. So their theory was that she, when she got home... Okay, I was about to say we'll get to it later. No, I'm breaking this habit now. That when she got home that night, she put on yeah. her blue nightshirt and stuck mail in the front pocket. What? Yeah, I no, right? Yeah, there's no why would you mail do that? in her front pocket? So I think that's why I'm I'm kind of with the defense about on this the planting because like, of the because like that just doesn't make sense that to doesn't me. Make any sense. And then for it to come out of this wood chipper yeah. intact. I think I don't know, that they were like, this is plenty, but maybe it's not enough for a jury. Here, let's put a little sugar on top with this. Address. That's exactly what I think. I mean, I don't yeah. think I don't think they got the wrong guy, but no. but I definitely think. Yeah. Pour some sugar on me. <laughs> what? No. I think that's what they were singing oh, as they okay. planted the evidence. Okay. It kind of sucked that the serial number was mysteriously missing from the chainsaw. But turns out the forensic team didn't really need it. They applied a chemical solution onto the scratched serial number, and the solution ate away at the first few layers of scratches and unearthed the serial number. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (gasps) It was 5921616. Did you make that up right now? No, it's the real serial number. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. And wouldn't you know that a Mr. Richard B. Crafts had sent in a warranty card for a chainsaw with that exact serial number. How does he explain that? Hold on tight for the trial. (laughs) They examined all the hair they found. Mm -hmm. More than 2,000 hairs. Mm -hmm. Many of them looked like they'd been cut, but not by scissors. By a wood chipper or a chainsaw. Yep. Ooh. And they determined that Hella's hair was microscopically similar to the hair in the riverbed. Okay, which this microscopically similar stuff, I I just started watching An Innocent Man on Netflix. Uh-huh. Turns out all I do is just watch yeah. stuff on Netflix. I think that's been kind of debunked. It has like, been. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you watched Bird Box? No, but everyone's talking about it. Good. Mm-hmm. Tell I enjoyed me, it very much. Tell me a little bit about it. I can't tell you anything about it. Okay, why is everyone like that? They're like, you don't want to know anything going in. It's a horror movie, right? Yeah. But it's not like gory. Okay. It's really good. I enjoyed it very much. You going to say that a third time? Did I already say yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> You're limited because you can't say anything more, right? I don't right? want to tell you too much. Okay, don't tell me anything. So they determined that Hella's hair was micro- microscopically similar to the hair in the riverbed. Yeah, which has been debunked. Blood spatter also been debunked, by the way. Blood spatter? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
widely debunked. When? Pretty recently. It's still used, but there's lots of questions about how. Well, I was going to say the staircase that I'm watching right now. I'm I'm all. Yeah, there's. I think it's just kind of like they're just now like. Do we know as much as we think we know? Is it really as consistent as we believe it is? Yeah. Oh, I'm disturbed. Yeah. And that painted fingernail? They could prove that she had the same nail polish sitting on her. On her nightstand? (laughs) See, this is why I table everything. (laughs) But this was before DNA testing. Yeah. So they couldn't say for 100% 100%, certainty that it was Hela. Hela. This story became international news. Everyone thought Richard did it. But Richard was adamant. He was like, no, I have no idea where my wife is. And by the way, I passed the lie detector test. Yeah, yeah. Why isn't anyone impressed by that? Let's let's talk about the evidence here real quick. Lie detector, debunked. (laughs) Blood spatter, debunked. Microscopic hair, debunked. Piece of mail on the side of the river. Ooh, planted. But if this happened today, DNA would have taken care of it. Yeah. Because it's for sure her. Yeah. There's no question. (laughs) But investigators weren't done. Dr. Lee went out and rented the exact wood chipper. And put a body through it. Yeah, he did. He put put a pig through it. Oh, yeah. Because it's... (laughs) He murdered someone, but he was like, hey, this is for science. This is the name of science. Everybody be cool. (laughs) Sure enough, the pig's remains had the same unique ridges and cuts that Hella's did. Yeah. Or, you know, whoever. Mystery remains. Yeah. Mystery remains with someone who used the same nail polish. Yeah. And had the same blood type. Yes. And the same nightgown. (laughs) (laughs) But they discovered something else, too. When the wood chipper spat out that pig's body, it also spat out parts of a human body. (gasps) Yeah. It was literally the same wood chipper? Yeah, because he didn't, like, go out and buy a wood chipper. I know he he rented rented it, but don't they rent multiple? Oh. I mean, it was pretty easy to figure out which one he rented, so they rented that The one that was covered in blood? (laughs) (laughs) No, okay, so the other thing was her body was frozen, and that's why there wasn't blood everywhere. Oh, yeah. So to counter your catchphrase, there was blood nowhere. That doesn't have the same ring to it. How about this? There was blood nowhere. No. (laughs) (laughs) So they examined those parts and determined that whoever had been either killed and then put through the wood chipper or killed by being put into the wood chipper, which, my God, I, I, I really hope not, and I don't oh, think so. Yeah, she, no, um, she was hit with a blunt object yeah, first. So. Yeah, Whew. Had the same blood type as Helicraft's. Well, yeah, because at the very least, he cut her up into little pieces first. Yes, because exactly, with the chainsaw. the chainsaw. Yeah. But they still wanted more. Then one day, as they were gathering evidence along the riverbed, they found a tooth. And they matched it to Hella's dental records. Ooh, that's good. Yep, that is good. Yeah. With that, on January 11th, 1987, they got their arrest warrant. At 9 p.m. that night, police surrounded the house. They called Richard Crafts on the phone. They said, come outside and surrender. And Richard said, 
I'm tired. I'll take care of it in the morning. I don't I don't think you get to do that, Richard. <laughs> hey, hey, can we just you know, later Let's put a pin in this? <laughs> Let me get a good night's sleep. Come back in the morning. Yeah, police were like, mm, no, you need to come <laughs> out. Poli- Richard shouted, don't call back. Don't call back. <laughs> then he hung up the phone. I am trying to sleep. <laughs> then, and I know this is going to shock you, police called back. <laughs> oh, no, and he had really had it this time. He was like, put me on your do not call list. <laughs> they talked and talked and talked. And finally, at 12.30 in the morning, Richard surrendered. His children were still asleep in the house. Mm. Which, okay. I'm sure this had to have been the only way they could do this. But I I don't know that I would have tried to get him while there were children in the house if I thought he was a murderer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A murderer capable of cutting his wife up into little pieces and putting her through a wood chip. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you wait until he was shopping at the mall? Yeah. Or I mean, just like... Like at work? Anywhere. Somebody else was watching his kids? I guess you couldn't do it while he's flying a plane. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if we all go down, that's just how it has to be. <laughs> Hope the assistant pilot is really good. <laughs> the assistant pilot? Don't they always have two Co-pilot. up there? Co-pilot. Co-pilot. <laughs> I probably offended some people you there. Probably did. Sorry, you're all co-pilots who know in the my English mind. English language. I I'm not from Connecticut. <laughs> I don't have an excellent grasp of the English language. <laughs> so Richard was arrested. Meanwhile, investigators were still working out all the kinks in this case. Here's what they think happened. Hella came home from a long flight, tucked the kids into bed, changed into her blue nightshirt. Put some mail in her front pocket, <laughs> like we all do before bedtime, yeah. and started changing the sheets on her bed. As she was kneeling over the sheets, Richard struck her with a police flashlight. Then Richard put her body into the garage freezer. He tr- tried to clean up the blood with some towels. The nanny had the night off, so she came home at 2 a.m. Then, very early that morning, he woke up the children and the nanny... Don Thomas. Yeah. They have a live-in nanny and you didn't think they were wealthy. Yeah, sorry. You know what? I really I really thought that was more about her being European. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, you're right. It still costs money. <laughs> yeah. So So very early that morning, he woke up the children and their nanny, Don Thomas, and took them to his sister's house. Mm-hmm. He told them that they needed to leave Newtown because the town was going through a power failure. When Don asked about Hella, he was like, oh, she'll meet you guys there. Mm. Then, sometime that day, he took Hella's body, which by now was frozen solid, and cut it into pieces with the chainsaw, probably on a secluded part of his property, because as you said, they're on a pretty big piece of property. Then he put her body into bags, and then the next day, when it was completely dark, he drove out to the bridge, put her body through the wood chipper, scratched the serial number off the chainsaw, and dumped it into the river. Mm -hmm. Pretty soon, they were ready for trial. By this point, the crime was all over the news. So Richard's attorney requested a change of venue, and the judge was like, yeah, duh, for sure. So they moved the trial to New London, Connecticut. The prosecution was led by state attorney Walter Flanagan, 
He made the case all about forensics. He put Dr. Henry Lee on the stand, as well as other experts, and they talked about all the pieces of bone that they found, the hair, the fibers, the chainsaw. Mm -hmm. The chainsaw was huge for the prosecution because the forensic team was able to show how they uncovered the serial number, and then they were able to present Richard's actual receipt from when he bought it back in 1981. Wow. Do you keep receipts? Not usually, not like that. No, neither do I. Never bought a chainsaw before, though, so... Norman does all our chainsaw buying for the house. (laughs) We have very traditional gender roles. You have an extensive collection of chainsaws? We have chainsaws bought by Norman, um, female medical issues by me. (laughs) (laughs) Then the prosecution called Dr. Constantine Caruzulus. Oh, yeah. K-A-R... A Z U L A S. Carazulus? Yeah. Hey, Carazulus. That sounds that good. That sounds better than Carazulus. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Carazulus was there to talk about teeth. He said the two pieces of human teeth that the investigators found each told a different story. One looked like it had been removed from the mouth with traumatic force. Mm-hmm. As in. In my opinion, this fracture occurred by a blunt force that fractured it to the center line and took the jaw with it. Mm. The second one was that gray piece of metal that Mm -hmm. the investigators found. Turns out that was part of a metal crown. He compared it to all of her recent dental x-rays and said, this belonged to Helicraft's. Mm -hmm. If that wasn't enough, the prosecution called in another odontologist odontologist yeah is that is that a word uh-huh okay this one was i think that's specifically like with the bones okay yeah because i was gonna say mouth. that yeah look it up i could have just made that up odontologist we've got a big listenership in the dental community mainly just your mom oh it's specifically forensic dentistry actually oh cool yeah Okay. Yep. So this one was Dr. Lowell Levine. And holy shit, is he a big deal. In 1985, he confirmed that the body buried in the Washington, D.C. memorial belonged to John F. Kennedy. Wow. And he he helped positively identify the remains of the Nazi doctor, Joseph Mengele. Le. Le. Mengele. Mengele? Mengele. Mangala. Isn't there a second E on the end? There is. I thought it yeah. was silent. <laughs> you know what? I hope he's pissed in hell right now. <laughs> now I'm wanting to say mean things about Nazi doctors, but I feel like people know I don't like Nazi doctors. Yeah, I so. think that's kind of a given. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Levine swoops in and he's like, yes, it's me. And yes, that tooth definitely belonged to yes, me. <laughs> Your eyes do not deceive you. <laughs> It is me. Do you know how excited I Forensic odontologist. (laughs) I would be so excited to meet someone who had, like, positively ID'd some nasty Nazi doctor. Like, that's that's cool work. Yeah. So, to me, he would say, yes, it's me. Calm down. (laughs) Do you need a glass of water? And I would say, oh, no. (laughs) But it wasn't all about forensics. A bunch of Hella's friends testified. One of them talked about a conversation she had with Richard after Hella went missing. She told him, 
you should call the police. And he told her, you've been watching too many movies. What? Ugh. Which Fargo hadn't come out yet. Yeah. Fargo was inspired, was inspired by this. Inspired by so. this case, yeah. Mm-hmm. They talked about how angry she was when she'd found out he'd been cheating on her. Even though she shouldn't have been angry, she shouldn't have been upset, right, Brandy? Because she'd suspected it all along. I said. (laughs) They talked about what a good mother she was, how she would never willingly leave her children. But defense attorney Daniel Sagrin said that whether or not Hella was a good mother is a false issue. He said that people do things in divorces. Like, like murder their wife and chop her no, up in little bits and put her through a no, wood chipper? Like just leave. Oh, just disappear. Oh, okay. Oh, my bad. <laughs> and before they leave, they scatter their mail along yes. the riverbed. <laughs> and their teeth. And their teeth. Oh, God. When he cross-examined Hella's friend, who dropped her off the night of November 18th, he asked, Did Mrs. Crafts indicate any hesitancy at all about going into the house? And she said, no. Well, no. She probably had no idea her husband was about to murder her. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, she she had told them he was a dangerous guy. She told them she was nervous. But you're not going to be... Watts didn't have any, any concern about walking in her house that night either. No, here's the thing. No one would be murdered if you could predict it on yes, that level. exactly. That's ridiculous. That's a dumb question. I object. <laughs> I'll make a note of that. <laughs> the defense's argument all came down to this. Hella Crafts is alive. Mm. Hella Crafts would like to make it appear that she is dead, the defense said. They pointed out that there was no corpse. There was simply no way that they could say for certain that she was dead. Sure, they found hair and bits of flesh and all kinds of nasty junk in that uh-huh. river. But you couldn't say with 100% certainty that any of that belonged to Hella. Okay, but you could say the chainsaw with tissue in it was her husband's. Perhaps that was stolen by some fiend. (laughs) (laughs) Since the process. I think it would have been a better tactic to say that someone kidnapped her and stole the chainsaw. Yeah, you know, you're probably right. But then, I mean, I mean this a, is just, you're fucked either way. Yeah, I he's mean, so fucked, it doesn't matter, but... And deservedly so. Yes. Yeah. I, I just think this is a terrible defense. Oh, she's still alive. But what else do you say? I don't know. Please, please don't convict please my clearly guilty this. client. I hate <laughs> yes. my job right now. Yeah, this guy's exactly. creeping me out. Yeah. <laughs> the one good thing I do want to say about this defense is they did attack the methodology they attacked you know how did you know you labeled the evidence this way then it came with a new label you know yeah. oh the mail blah blah I yeah. think I think that's they, that's a good tactic yeah. to take since the prosecution's case relied so much on forensics the defense attacked the forensics they attacked the credibility of the prosecution's experts they attacked the methods used by detectives defense attorney Daniel Sagrin questioned police about why certain changes had been made on evidence labels. Plus, not all of Hella and Richard's friends portrayed Richard as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's friends. Yeah. Diane and William Goldstein both said that they went into the Crafts' bedroom on November 20th. 
and they didn't see any stains on the carpet. Mm-hmm. Then Richard took the stand. <gasps> he did? Yes. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. You should have told us that a long time ago. What, in the beginning? Yeah. (laughs) The defense asked Richard if he'd been faithful to his wife. No. He said, not exclusively, no. What does that mean? (laughs) Oh, oh, you're talking about exclusively faithful. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. The defense asked, have you ever harmed your wife? Richard said, no, I've never raised a finger in anger to Hella in my life. No, sir. I've never done her any any harm, ever. A chainsaw, yes. <laughs> but not a finger. Not a finger. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't surprise me if... Yeah. yeah. When asked why he hadn't gotten himself an attorney earlier, when Hella first disappeared, Richard explained that he didn't think he needed one. He honestly thought that Hella was alive. Mm-hmm. And as for that wood chipper... Well, yeah, he rented that wood chipper, but you know what he used it for? What? Wood. Mm-hmm. Into the river. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you not supposed to do that? Is there like a rule that you're not supposed to show up at a bridge at 3.30 in the morning and start chipping wood? Start Is that against the law? So, he never went on River Road with a U-Haul and that wood chipper. Clearly, that was some some other guy. Oh, okay. What? Mm-hmm. Funny timing. <laughs> on July 23rd, the jury of nine men and three women deliberated. They'd been well, to get... Pause. Huh? Could they, did they find any record that he rented a U-Haul? Uh, I think they did. Again, I'm sorry. It's been That's a while. Okay. But, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they they may have, they may not have. <laughs> I'm surprised Hard to say. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't say pay cash for all this stuff. Yeah, though, you know. Yeah. Well, he doesn't seem real sharp. See, I kind of think he does. I mean, he disposed of the body. Well, he disposed of the body really well, but he did all of the stuff he did was so traceable. Yeah. They were able to rent the exact same wood chipper. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, okay. (laughs) On July 23rd, the jury of nine men and three women deliberated. They'd been together for a nine-week trial. They'd heard from 100 witnesses. Holy cow. They'd seen 650 exhibits of evidence. It seemed pretty obvious that Richard was guilty. Obvious to all but one member of the jury. (gasps) There was a holdout? One man held out. He said, no way, the guy's not guilty. What? The other jurors were so frustrated. They were like, this guy is a fucking idiot. One juror later told the press, it was like reasoning with a child. (gasps) The juror said that the guy couldn't retain information. Oh my god! He was just like too stupid yeah. to handle. This is my dad's big problem with jury trials. He thinks yeah. that you should be have to like pass some kind of intelligence exam before you can serve on a jury. Okay, uh, yeah, and I can see how that could go down a bad road. Yeah, but I kind of agree. Yeah, you have to be smart enough to retain information yes. to analyze what's being yes. said to you. My fear is that people who are smart enough will get out of jury duty. Yeah, and then you just get the dum dums. Yeah. And the weirdos like me who desperately, desperately want to be, want to be and have never been called. I'm putting my name out there, Casey Mo. 
<laughs> I'm ready. No, for real. If I were ever part of that, I would feel guilty and weird forever. Yeah. 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 Um. So another juror said, it wasn't chaos. It was hell. Wow. The 11 jurors tried and tried to convince the guy. For 17 days, Holy they tried. shit. But he was stubborn. And finally, he fled. What? He said, I'm out of there and I'm not going back in there. He ran away. <laughs> okay, this is the second trial you have talked about uh-huh. where a juror ran away. That I mean, that is insane, that is right? That is nuts. On July 15th, 1988, Richard Kraft's trial ended with a hung jury. It was a mistrial. Oh, my gosh. Did they retry him? Of course. Okay. They were like, hopefully we don't get another fucking idiot. idiot. Yeah. Hella Kraft's family was devastated. And so were the investigators and prosecutors and just the public in general. Yeah. But they tried again. Okay. How did it go? <laughs> same evidence. Same Are you, witnesses. like, wanting to fast forward me? I want to know that he gets <laughs> convicted. So they got another change of venue. Okay. This Where's time, it now? Norwalk, Connecticut, N-O-R-W-A-L-K. Norwalk. Norwalk. The second trial began on September 7th, 1989. You look so tense right now. Second trial, same as the first, same witnesses, same evidence, hopefully different outcome. Yeah. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Better jurors, question mark, exclamation point, question mark. <laughs> the jury began deliberations on November 20th. After eight hours of deliberation, a jury of 11 men and one women, woman, one, one women. woman, <laughs> 11 men and one woman found Richard, Richard Crafts guilty of murder. Thank goodness. Afterward, they said it was a pretty easy decision. Uh, yeah. It was the first time in Connecticut state history that prosecutors had gotten a murder conviction without, without a body. body. Mm-hmm. In January of 1990, Richard's sentencing began, and he spoke. He told Judge Martin Nigro that he had been wrongfully portrayed as a cold-blooded killer. Mm-hmm. But he never actually said, I didn't. I'm innocent? Yeah, he never <gasps> said I didn't kill her. Oh, my gosh. He said, a great deal has been said about my apparent lack of emotion. He has ice water in his veins. I have feelings like everyone else. By this point, Richard's sister, Karen Rogers, had custody of Hella and Richard's three children. She also spoke. And she asked the judge for the maximum sentence. Wow. Yeah. She said, I am concerned that Mr. Crafts has not publicly nor privately demonstrated any remorse for the murder of his wife. I believe he has paid lip service only to the concerns of his children. Mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I'm surprised by yeah. that, too. But it seems like Karen and Hella were pretty good friends. Uh-huh. And I think Karen knew her brother was. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she calls him Mr. Mr. Crafts. Mr. Crafts. Yeah, I yeah. think that says a lot. Yeah. Before the judge handed down the sentence, the defense made a motion to order a new trial. They pointed out that by the police's own admission, that November, phone conversations between suspects and their lawyers had been recorded. But Richard's attorney, Thomas Farver, admitted that he had no direct evidence that the police had illegally taped any of his phone calls with Richard. Mm-hmm. So Judge Nigro rejected that, that motion. And then he sentenced Richard 
to 50 years in prison. Hmm. Richard, How old was he? I don't know, but Richard Crafts will be eligible for parole in 2021, and he'll be 84 years okay. old. And that's Ooh. the story of the wood chipper murder. Ooh, that was so good. That's a crazy story. Yeah, thank you, Kate, for pointing that one out uh, to us. Yeah, it was, thank you. Yeah, it was a good one. Holy shit. Oh, my God, I've been talking for an hour. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> I'm continuing my Johnson County series. I'm so excited. With a story about a robbery. Okay. John and Becky Beaker had a dream. They were gun lovers, and they wanted to open a gun store that was more than just a gun store. Oh, no. They wanted to open a store where men and women alike would feel comfortable learning about guns and gun safety, and where women could feel empowered taking their self-defense into their own hands. Mm. And in 2009, that dream became a reality. That year, the Beakers opened She's a Pistol, located at 5725 Neiman Road in Shawnee, Kansas. Mm -hmm. Why does your face look like that? I I like the thing I love about these cases Uh is I always know just like Like a a little bit, like the tiniest bit. Shawnee is, of course, in Johnson County. It's where I grew up. It's where we went to high school. It's an area we're very familiar with. Yes. I have bought so many guns at that place. (laughs) JK for all all of our international. Yeah, neither of listeners. us are gun o- owners or gun lovers. Yeah, I say international because I assume that everyone who doesn't live in the United States assumes that we all own fifteen. Guns I assume so. Yes, and that they're like just loose, scattered I would, about. The I house. would probably think that. Yes. <laughs> um, this store was exactly what John and Becky had envisioned. They sold guns and ammunition, had a firing range, but they also sold various self-defense items, held courses on gun safety, and had self-defense classes for women. Over the next few years, the store thrived, and the Beakers focused on nothing but their growing business. What year did they open? 2009. Oh. Hmm. Why are you doing that? I I know I said the political part was over. Um, Should I piss off gun owners right probably now? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> and there's like a statement that Becky Beaker makes later on. That's that, going to piss me off? No, or, oh. but. Okay. That we should probably respect on okay. this controversial okay. topic. Okay, I'll shut up. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so the store was thriving. They were focused on nothing but their growing business. Things were good for the store, for the Beaker's. Until January 9th, 2015. Hmm. So this incident that I'm about to talk about will have happened four years ago to the day when this episode comes out. Whoa, weird. Okay. It was just about 2 o'clock p.m. on that Friday afternoon. 2 o'clock p.m. I know. I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) It's uh, (laughs) very early young peas. Are you like writing this for an essay? It has to hit a certain page number. I said that. It's not written like that in my notes. I don't know. It was around two o'clock on that Friday afternoon when four men, two armed with guns, busted through the front door of the store. Becky Beaker was at the front desk when the men charged towards her, demanding money and guns. 
She reached for her handgun, but the men were right in front of her before she could grab it. Then one of the men climbed over the counter and punched her in the face, breaking her nose. Oh. She dropped to the floor out cold. Oh, my gosh. John Beaker was in the back office of the store, and upon hearing the commotion, he came out, gun cocked and ready to see what was going on. When the storefront came into view, he saw the armed men and he saw his wife on the floor. A full-on gun battle ensued. John shot at the men. The men shot at him. John got off several shots and wounded three of the men. Whoa! One fell to the floor instantly paralyzed. Another was critically injured. The third, along with the fourth man who was uninjured, ran from the store. Becky, hey, he was a pretty good shot. Oh, yeah. Becky came to just in time to see the now paralyzed man shoot John. <gasps> he fell to the floor. Becky got up, grabbed her gun, called 911, and then rushed to John's side to await emergency personnel. Minutes later, two dozen police cars and ambulances sped through Old Shawnee Town, the same idyllic town square where the town carnival is, head, is held the first weekend of every June. It, it is weird to think about that. Yeah. It's, like, it's just like this cute, It's this cute little yeah. like downtown square. Yeah. Yeah. Picture small town. Yes. Yeah. There's like an old movie theater. There's the city hall. There's, There's where I got my senior pictures yes. taken. <laughs> yes. Surrounding businesses locked their doors and shop owners later recalled that the response was like something from a movie. Hmm. Inside the store police found three men who were badly wounded. John Beaker and two assailants who were later identified as DeAnthony Wiley and Londro Patterson III. They all lay on the floor. They were rushed to the hospital while the surrounding neighborhood was warned to stay indoors as police searched for the two assailants who had fled on foot. Shortly after the search for the two missing assailants began, police received a call from a woman in a nearby neighborhood. She said there were two men pounding on her back door asking for help and that one of them was injured. Mm -mm. The police responded to the woman's home, which was just blocks from the gun shop. And there, the remaining two assailants were taken into custody. They were identified as Hakeem Malik and Nikwan Majet. Majet had been shot at the store and was taken to the hospital, but his injuries were non-life-threatening. He, along with Patterson and Wiley, would eventually recover from their injuries, though Wiley will spend the rest of his life confined to a wheelchair. And they were released from the hospital into police custody. The same could not be said for John Beaker. Late that afternoon, John Beaker passed away due to his injuries that he sustained during the botched robbery. An autopsy later showed that he had been shot four times. The first shot pierced his aorta and settled in his spine, incapacitating him. The other three shots came after he was already down. Oh, God. He was 44 years old. Oh, no. Following her husband's death, Becky Beaker made this statement. Thank you to my friends, family, and community for their love, prayers, and support during this very difficult time. I have lost my husband in this senseless murder. Although tragic, he saved my life because he carried a firearm. Please respect my husband's memory by refusing to turn this tragedy into a political statement in support of banning firearms. Hmm. So 
I think we should respect that. I get that neither of us are pro firearm yeah. at all, but I will respect her wishes on this. And I, I do think that he probably saved her life. Yeah. I mean, we, we have no way. Of There's knowing. no way to know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would never say, I, I know you're, you're saying, say what you're going to say. Um, I really don't think there are that many people in America who are saying we should ban fire. Oh, I don't either. I think they're and saying so gun control I think that's, laws. Right. Yes. And so I think that's a little off because that's what she said, right? Please don't turn this into a political. Yeah, thing. but I would guess that from someone who is as pro gun as she is, mm-hmm. it feels very much like people are trying to ban guns. Well, altogether. sure, sure. I, I agree that I don't think that's what's happening. And but I could see that that would be her perspective on it. Uh, you can't see that somebody like her who is very pro firearm. I totally would see believe, it that way. I totally believe that there are a lot of people who think that that's what the opposition wants. They want mm-hmm. to take all our guns from us. Right. And I think that's a really smart thing to say. Oh, they're trying to take all our guns because that's a lot scarier. And that's not really the issue. The right. issue is that people want stronger regulations. Oh, this is gonna. This is bad. This is super bad. Um, I will say, I, don't don't look at I me like that. I just think that we should agree that that's what she thinks, and that we don't think that that's the case. Um. Well, I frankly, I've noticed that with a lot of our shootings in America, they happen. We do the thoughts and prayers thing. Mm-hmm. And there are always a lot of people who are like, you know, above all else, please, let's not turn this into a political issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that sounds really good mm-hmm. because we all think politics are kind of gross. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the reason that we have this problem is because we aren't turning it into a political issue. Mm-hmm. This is a woman whose husband was murdered this day. I think we should respect her issue and not her wishes and not make this a gun debate. Okay. 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 On January 11th, 2015, charges of first degree murder were filed, were filed against Wiley, Patterson, Majet, and Malik. Malik was 18 and the other three were just 19 years oh, old at God. the time. Those charges were amended uh, in April of 2015 to add charges of aggravated robbery, aggravated battery, and aggravated battery with great bodily harm to each defendant. For Becky, the road to getting justice for her husband, John, would be a long one with twists and turns so great that at times she didn't think she would make it through. Immediately following the shooting, the store needed extensive repairs. And so it stayed closed for a time to complete those. And after those repairs were done, she found it too difficult to walk through the doors each day. The memory of seeing her husband shot down in that store were just too hard to face. So she made the decision to relocate. In November of 2015, She's a Pistol opened its new location at 6487 Quivira Road, Still in Shawnee, Kansas. So this is like right by where we went to high school. Do you really? know where this is? Yeah. No. Okay. Hold on. Let me. Okay. Is you it know where still the, open? Uh, no. Oh, okay. 
Um, you you if you search the address, you'll still see okay. it. You know where like um the High V grocery store was, um, or where the police station was on. Yes, it's yes. right there. Okay, hang on, I'm pulling up. Oh yeah. So the High V grocery store is now like an antique mall and a sky zone. Yes. Um, there's like Bait City Barbecue is right there. Next Norman to... and I are big fans of that antique mall. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So okay. that's where she relocated okay. to. The community had really rallied behind Becky in her great time of loss. There were lots of candlelight vigils. Mm-hmm. Um, there'd been a GoFundMe account set up in John's name to help with funeral costs. And then fundraisers were done to help Becky get established in the new, larger, and more expensive location. Mm-hmm. And things in court were progressing slowly, but going well. The initial hearings had gone well, and the judge had ruled that the prosecution had enough evidence to move forward with a trial. All four men would be tried separately, and according to early hearings, it looked like three would go to jury trial and one intended to plead guilty. But just as Becky felt like she was getting her feet under her, she would be dealt a devastating blow. In early December 2015, DeAnthony Wiley's defense team filed a motion that they intended to plead not guilty by reason of self-defense. What? Yes. He walked in with a gun, right? Oh, come on, buddy. No. His defense team claimed that he was incapacitated on the floor trying to surrender when John Beaker continued to advance on him. So he had no choice but to shoot kill and protect himself. Mm. But that wasn't the end of it. I mean, that just blows my mind. You come in there with a gun and now you think that you get to claim self-defense. That was one of my weird takeaways from law school that like at a certain, you know, if you're defending yourself at a certain, Oh God. If you're defending yourself at a certain point, if the power dynamic shifts, yeah. you have to stop, I guess. And, yeah. But I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I agree. You walk in a place with a gun, guess what? You might get shot. And you walk into a gun store yeah, with a gun. Yeah, you're walking into a gun store. What are you thinking robbing a gun store? Well, the point of robbing the gun store is that they didn't just want money. They wanted guns as well. Do they know that they the, could just rob a quick trip and get the money and well, then go buy so, a gun? Like, the guns that they had were attained um Illegally, right? They were not okay. legally purchased guns, and so where did they get their guns? I don't, I don't know the answer okay. to that. I wish I did. Um, all that I know, all that I know is it's mentioned yeah. in here at one point that they were illegally obtained. Okay, okay. So, but this wasn't the end of it. Wiley's defense team also gave official notice to Becky Beaker that they intended to file a civil suit against her and she's a pistol LLC for the injuries he sustained that day. Oh. Oh, fuck off. Seriously, right? <laughs> Are you serious? Again, because he shouldn't have because it was self-defense? Yeah. That's that's insane. Yeah. That's insane. It's insane. In response to the motion filed by Wiley's defense team, a representative for Becky, Be- a representative for Becky had this to say. The evidence will show that these men entered our business to commit a robbery. They had a plan. They had guns. They were prepared to kill to carry out their plan. Mm -hmm. They assaulted Becky. They shot John. Their plan just didn't account for John fighting back. They do not get to now claim self-defense just because John fought back and they killed him for doing so. 
We have faith in the criminal justice system and appreciate the dedicated professional work of each person assisting with the investigation and prosecution of those responsible for this tragedy. I think that that would be so devastating to be like, okay, we're moving along. They've got these guys like I'm going to get justice. And then because um, D'Anthony Wiley was actually the one who initially in the initial hearings they believed was going to plead guilty. Yeah. Why? Why did they believe he was going to plead guilty? Because he fired the fatal shot. Oh, okay. They And they have surveillance video that captures well, yeah. that. Yeah. 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 That's insane. Yeah. So December of 2015, like they're moving along and then she gets this news and she's just like devastated. Becky mm-hmm. is. So on January 10th, 2016, one day after the one year anniversary of the shooting that killed her husband, Becky posted this message to the She's a Pistol Facebook page. One year ago today, I started my first day facing life as a widow. My world forever changed and having to make funeral arrangements for the one man that thought I thought would always be mine. A woman in her mid 30s should never have to lose her spouse to a senseless act of criminals. I know that I'm alive because John is a hero and was so much more than I ever deserved. He saw something in the broken pieces of me and rebuilt me into someone better than I ever was before I met him. He let me love him, really love him, and he loved me in return. He found a way to take all my break- broken pieces and make me whole. John was my life, my happiness, my everything. Hmm. My life as I knew it died with him that day. I will never be able to resuscitate that life. No one can. But I'm still living. A new, at times, much less sunny life. But I'm still breathing, and my heart still beats in my chest, though it carries the permanent scars of his loss. For a very long time, I wished and prayed that I could trade places with him. I would have given anything to be the one that would have died that day so he could live. He was a much better person than I am, and he had so much still to do. I have asked myself so many times why he came to save me. I still say he should have saved himself, but that's not who John was. He would never stand back and watch someone be hurt. Especially me. He loved me too much to stay back when I was in danger. He was always there for me. He always caught me if I fell, and he was the one to put me back together when I was weak. I will never know if he knew he saved me from what I believe was death by gunshot that day. I will never know if he thought I was already dead because he was fatally wounded by criminals with illegally obtained firearms or if he knew I was just hurt. I will never know if he knew I ran to him and knelt at his side begging him to hold on. Just hold on because help was right outside. I'll never forget his eyes in that moment. I believe that his actions that day also saved an unknown number of innocent lives by ensuring criminals were taken off the streets and now cannot harm others. I know I've changed dramatically this year to a point that I hardly recognize myself much of the time. I hope I'm still the woman John loved and wanted to grow old with, though now I'm left to grow old without him and just have the memories of his love in my heart. I know this life is becoming my new normal, my new life. I've been fortunate to learn that I have a much larger family than I knew, and that family doesn't mean just those who are related to us by blood. I have a business to run, a roof over my head, and enough of my needs satisfied that I will be all right. I will continue to dust myself off and keep fighting always. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. And I think 
what's I think what's so heartbreaking about that is that there is a good chance that he thought that she had been shot and was killed. Well, that's exactly what I think he thought. Yeah. Because you see four guys with guns. Oh, yeah. Your wife is out cold. Yeah. You don't know she's out cold. You just no. know she's on the floor. Yeah. So. And you also know that she has a gun. And oh, she knows exactly. How to use it. Exactly. Yeah. So when she came to, like she came to and saw John shot, she got up, she grabbed her gun, and there are two Two of the assailants were still in the store. Oh, jeez. And um, one of them went to grab a gun, and she fired a shot at him while she was on the phone with 911. Oh, my gosh. She's like, grab that gun again, and I will kill you. Whoa. Yeah. And then... Did you hear the 911 call? No. Oh, God. No. Okay. I wish. I know. I bet that'd be good. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And so then she ran around the counter, and those... She knelt next to John on the floor, who was laying on the floor with these two other men. This is not a big store. Yeah. They're within arm's reach of her. And she sat there and held her husband until police got there. Wow. I just can't even imagine what that would be like. That would be horrible. Horrible. Yeah. He had some vitals when they took him by ambulance, but he died pretty quickly. Yeah. After he well, arrived he was the shot four times. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. In September of 2016, a hearing was held in Johnson County court to determine if Wiley now joined by his co-defendant Majette, who was hoping to jump on the self-defense bandwagon. It, the hearing was to determine if they could be deemed immune for prosecution of murder due to self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> The prosecution, of course, argued at the hearing that the defendants could not claim self-defense because they instigated the confrontation. Mm-hmm. At the hearing, their sur- the surveillance video from inside the store was played for the first time. Becky Beaker was in court when it was shown, and it was the first time that she had seen it. Oh, that's horrible. They weren't allowed to view it before, so she saw it for the first time, and this is what she had to say later. Today was a difficult day in court, and it will continue tomorrow. I was present today when the surveillance video was played. Oh, when the surveillance video from the time of John's murder was played. We had not been able to view the video prior to today. In addition to proving that John and I acted in self-defense, I saw visual proof of what matters most to me. Love. What I saw in the video was visual proof that of the love John and I shared. I fought back and hoped that my attackers would not get to John because I needed him to be safe more than anything, more than my own life. John ran, yes, ran to my age straight into a gunfight, a situation most people would run from, not into. I always knew how much love he and I shared. The events of that tragic day serve as one more way John showed me how much he loved me. I believe he continues to love me still as I love him. I hope each of you have the joy of being loved as greatly as John loved me. I also hope you have the honor of loving someone as much as I love John. Wow. Ugh. Ugh. At the self-defense hearing, Lindsay Erickson, one of the attorneys for Wiley, argued that the incident should be dissected into two parts. The first part was the attempted robbery and the fight from the robbery, which then ends. Then the second part begins when Wiley is on the floor, paralyzed and unable to flee. At that point, she said he had two choices. He could lay there and be executed, or he could defend himself. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about that? I 
okay, here's the thing. That's probably not a bad legal argument. Right. I agree. But it's a fucking stupid argument in a more general sense. You yes. don't get to cut things up. Exactly. You That's, don't get to say, okay, this is a separate, you don't get to you don't get to take these factors into no, consideration. No. no. The guy committed a robbery yeah. with a gun. Yeah. And not just any robbery, robbery of a gun store. Yes. What what, what did he think was yeah. gonna happen? Yeah. What did he think was going to happen? Exactly. Assistant District Attorney Vanessa Ribley? <laughs> Ribley? R-I-E-B-L-I. Ribley. I'm Reba. Ribley. <laughs> District Attorney Vanessa R. Suggested <laughs> that John Beaker was the one who was acting in self-defense when he saw that his wife had been threatened with guns and now his life was on the line. Um, she said that during the 24-second incident, that's all that this was, 24 seconds. Wow. Wiley continued firing shots even after he was on the ground, and there was no evidence that he tried to give up. Under Kansas law, someone who instigates the use of force or who is committing or fleeing from a violent felony cannot claim immunity from prosecution by arguing self-defense. Well, there you go. Exactly. What more do you need? (laughs) 24 seconds. That is so key. Because I think the argument gets better if it's this drawn out thing. I completely agree. But no, 24 seconds. 24 seconds. No. But can you believe all of that happens in 24 seconds? With guns, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, nunchucks, that'd be shocking. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. That it that does tell you about guns. Yeah. I, I, I am not pro-gun. <laughs> guns scare me very much. Well, yeah. So. <laughs> you know, I wasn't scared of guns until this case. <laughs> so Judge Timothy McCarthy heard a day and a half of testimony and watched the surveillance video before ruling on this motion. Ultimately, he denied the defendant's claim to self-defense. No kidding. In his ruling, Judge McCarthy said that John Beaker was faced with an imminent threat to his wife and himself when he yes. took action. Yes. He also noted that Wiley had shot every bullet in his gun during the incident, meaning to him, it didn't look like he had ever attempted to surrender. Oh, that's a good point. That's a very good <laughs> yeah. point. He never held back. Yeah. Mm. With the motion denied, Becky felt like she could breathe a little bit again. It also meant that the civil suit promised by Wiley's defense team would never materialize. It was a definite win, but it still wasn't enough to get Becky back on solid ground. The legal fees she'd encountered preparing for the civil suit that never came had piled up, and she was drowning in expenses from the new store location. Ugh. Plus, with all the way, all of the time away from the store to attend all of the hearings and court proceedings, her labor costs had gone up. It was all too much. She just couldn't stay afloat any longer. So in December of 2016, Becky Beaker made the announcement that she was going to be closing down She's a Pistol. There was a last-ditch effort in the community to fundraise and help her pay back taxes and penalty fees. Um, And it did help her pay those things off, but it just wasn't enough to keep the store open. And it closed for good on December 31st, 2016. 
there was a lot of media coverage around this because uh-huh. it had become, become such a obviously a big story in the community and people were really rooting for Becky to be able to continue doing, you know, something that she loved and something that, you know, connected her to John. And so mm-hmm. um, there's this interview with her where she's just like, I really wish I could make it happen, but John wouldn't want this. He wouldn't want me killing myself every day to try no. and save something that's dying. Yeah. So um, it's really, I mean, it's really sad that this, I mean, she ended up lo- in the end losing her business too. Yeah. Um, it, I feel terrible for her. Yeah. Um, can you, I'm sorry. Can you imagine being those defense attorneys threatening that kind of civil suit? Oh my gosh. Talk about how do you sleep at night? Seriously. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. unreal. Yeah. Ugh. So the first of the four trials for the murder of John Beaker began on May 15th, 2017. A jury found Londro Patterson III guilty of first-degree murder on May 18th, 2017. At his sentencing on July... First degree? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. They came with guns, so I think that shows yeah. premeditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also first-degree murder can be if a murder happens um, in the process of committing another felony. Okay. So, because they were in the course of a robbery, an armed robbery. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not mad that he got first degree. No, I know. (laughs) (laughs) At his sentencing on July 22nd of that year, his attorney asked the judge to show mercy as Landra was still a teenager at the time of the shooting and he did not fire the fatal shot. He didn't foresee that the actions of himself and three other teenagers would lead to unimaginable loss for everyone and their families, said his lawyers. It is so sad and so dumb. Oh, they're These, so young. They're kids. Yeah. I, that's just. Yeah. What the hell were they thinking? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think it says a lot that this. What, I mean, I feel like anybody with more sense or a few more years on him would know this is not the crime you want to commit. Definitely not. No, you're going in somewhere where they're obviously going to be armed. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going in, in the middle of the day too. Hmm. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly there's going to be someone there who has a gun. Did maybe you'll get to this later. Did they have a plan for the guns they were going to steal? I don't. Uh, no, I don't know. Okay. They don't go into that at all. Or I didn't find anything about that. Huh. Okay. I really don't know. And I think it, I don't know what the plan is. And I think it, it comes down to them being teenagers. Yeah. They're like, well, let's go steal some guns God. without thinking through what that means. Oh, we've got guns, so we're good. Right. I just think it's clearly not a thought through plan. Yeah. So the prosecutors argued in turn, that Patterson was on probation at the time for for a gun violation, and that a week before the She's a Pistol shooting, he had been involved in another shooting during a robbery in Raytown. Oh, good grief. Yeah. Um, so they're like, yeah, that mercy? Mm, probably not, Judge. Yeah. Um, the judge sentenced him to life with a hard 25, meaning he'll have to serve 25 years before he becomes eligible for parole. Yeah. What you got over there? Well, my sentence doesn't make <laughs> sense. <laughs> Next to be tried was Hakeem Malik. Um, his trial was scheduled to begin on June 12th, 2017. Oh. The holiest of days. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> and Norm. Yeah. 
But on May 25th, during a pretrial hearing, he withdrew his not guilty plea and entered a plea of guilty on all charges. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. On August 25th, 2017, he was sentenced to life in prison with a hard 25 as well. The trial of DeAnthony Wiley began on October 30th, 2017. On Thursday, November 2nd. Oh, hey, (laughs) happy birthday to me. Kristen's birthday. The prosecution was nearing the end of its case and court went into recess. For unknown reasons at the time, the trial was postponed that day. And when court resumed the following day, a mistrial was declared. What? Yeah, it was all super secretive. Like nobody knew what was going on. Um, We know now that at the time, DeAnthony Wiley suffered some kind of medical emergency and he wasn't going to be able to be present in court. And that's why a mistrial was declared. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because of laws, I don't know what the yeah. nature of the medical emergency was. One article I said, one article I read said that he collapsed and then like in court. I don't know. Yeah. Um, not a female medical not issue. Not a female medical issue. We know that for That's sure. Right. A new trial was scheduled to begin on April 30th, 2018. But on February 27th, DeAnthony Wiley withdrew his not guilty plea and pled guilty to all charges. On April 12th, 2018, he was sentenced to life in prison with a hard 25. The last to be prosecuted was Niquan Midget. His trial began December 11th, 2017. After three days of testimony, the prosecution rested, and before the defense presented their case, Majette withdrew his not guilty plea and pled guilty to all charges. I mean, yeah. I mean, but I think that's weird. You let the prosecution deliver their whole case, and then you're like, when the defense was about to deliver theirs, he was like, no, okay, I'm guilty. You know, I, I don't think it's that weird. If, uh-huh. if you're there and you're in court and you're like, wow, they did a really good yeah. job. I'm afraid I might, you know. Yeah. yeah you, well, yeah, because I mean, the risk would be getting more than, because he ended up with life with a hard 25, but he could have potentially gotten That's what I'm saying. More, yeah, yeah. life without parole, life with a hard 40, like, yeah. 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 Way, I've never heard like hard 25, hard 40. I like it though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Kansas, all- yeah, Kansas famously has a hard 40 law. Really? Yeah. Like if there's if um you're convicted of first degree murder with an extenuating circumstance, it's like an automatic hard 40. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what the extenuating circumstances are. I don't know that much about. Also, you said something mean while you did the murder. <laughs> So he ended up, middle of his trial, he's like, stop. Turns out I'm guilty. Yep. And on March 29th, he um, was sentenced to life in prison with hard 25. So on the day that DeAnthony Wiley entered his guilty plea, so that was like the last, um, the last trial because of the original mistrial. So his trial was actually third to start, but then there was the mistrial. So his second Hold trial. Hold on, I'm sorry. I know, the timeline time. is confusing. Okay, so DeAnthony Wiley was the third, initially was supposed to be the third one to be tried, but gotcha. because his the mistrial happened, oh, right. his trial ended up being the last one where he entered his guilty plea. Gotcha. Um, so on that day, Becky Beaker posted this message on the She's a Pistol Facebook page. Three years, one month, and 19 days ago, my husband John Beaker was murdered. Today... Wiley, the last of the four murderers responsible for ending his life, entered a guilty plea. He will be sentenced in April. 
Each of the four murderers will serve life sentences with their first possible chance at parole after no less than 25 years. Some will serve more. It is not enough. It will never be enough time served for killing someone in cold blood, but it is good to know that they will most likely never experience a day of freedom again in their lives. They chose this, not us. Hmm. I think it's sad to think that the decision that they made when they were 18 I, years old yeah. could mean that they'll never have another day of freedom in their life. Yeah, I, I'm not with her on this one. I know, I think it's... I, But I get thinking that it's not enough. Well, sure. If yeah. something happened to Norman, I'd be oh, the yeah. same way. But I, Oh, yeah. But I think it's really sad to think that a decision that they teenagers. made when they were 18 and 19 years old would mean that they ha- never have another day of freedom in their yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they pled guilty. Yeah. You know. I mean, if they... If they are model prisoners and stuff, they should, they would likely get paroled because of their age when they were, yeah. Yeah. when they were convicted. I hope so. Yeah, I do too. I think everybody deserves a second chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was rough. It's a rough one. I remember so clearly when that happened. Really? Yeah. Because it's an area where my family works. It's not that far from, you uh-huh. know, uh, lots of areas that I'm very familiar with. And so I remember like when the like breaking news came off that there was this heavy police presence in old Shawnee town. Nobody really knew what was going on yet. Yeah. 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 And then I remember the news story about the woman calling police because there were two. So she had her house was like, she had like a screened in porch. And so the two men that left that ran on foot, like they came in her screen porch and then were like oh, pounding God. on her back door. Can you imagine if like someone was pounding on this door? Um, I, so this again to me shows their dumb judgment. Oh yeah. Because who's going to let you in? Oh, and they were totally like, let us in. We're hurt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no chance. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that two of them were armed and two of them were not, yet they were all convicted of the same oh, charges. You know what? I must have missed that part. Yeah. They only, only, when they came in, only two of the four were armed. And I don't know, maybe they took guns during the process of it, but. Yeah. You know, I don't think the unarmed ones should have gotten the same. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I kind of agree. But the self-defense thing. Oh, no, that's stupid. That's, that's stupid. Ridiculous. Well, if you could use that, then you can do anything to oh, anybody. Yeah. And, oh, they fought back, so. Yeah. Pay my medical bills. Yeah. No, no yeah. that's stupid. Oh, yeah. Ugh. So that's another case about uh, Sunny Johnson County. God. <laughs> On another topic, I have a moral dilemma Ooh. for you. Okay. Okay. Norman and I came down on very different sides of this. Oh. So, last night, we went to Taco Bell, Mm -hmm. my favorite restaurant of all time. So, Norman was like, oh, hey, you can order your order online Oh, and then just go pick it up. And go pick it up. Yeah. Let's do that. So, we go through the drive-thru, say we're picking up a mobile order, we get the stuff, get home, open up the bag, it's not our order. Oh, is it better than what you ordered? No, it was worse. Oh! It was worse. Because we were, like, I realized it wasn't our order. So then, of course, we open up everything. Yeah. Like, well, what did these people get? And we're kind of like, ugh. Because we were kind of lazy and we were hungry. Yeah. And it's like, 
I mean, everything from Taco Bell is the same five ingredients yeah. anyway. But he's like, so do you want to eat this stuff? And I was like, oh, not really. You know, I want what I want. Yeah. And as we're kind of talking, like, what do we do? What do we do? Norm is just eating one of the burritos. No, no. <laughs> so here's the thing. There was an order of nachos. Yeah. So I popped off the lid, took a chip and ate it. Uh-huh. And he was, I mean, you should have seen how he looked at me. He was like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm eating a nacho. Like, yeah. what? And he was like, no, if we're going to go back, we need to give everything back to them. And I was like, they're they not going to serve this yeah. anyway. And I was like, I touched everything. They can't give this to anybody else. If you would have eaten the whole nachos, maybe. But one chip. Well, and here, see, I kind of feel like, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. So tell me if I'm wrong. But anyway, so. He, I was like, okay, fine. So I put the lid back on the nachos, yeah. which I think is grosser to give back something that I've touched, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they had like little things of cheese in there. And I was like, well, yeah. I'm going to keep one of the nacho cheeses. And he's like, no, you're not. We have to give it all <laughs> back and then go get it. And I was like, I think you're being kind of kind of uptight about this. I don't think they're going to care. Anyway, he shamed me. Because he gave he was, it all back. Yeah, because he was like, he, I kind of, I think you're kind of right. You're, you're half right. Norman's half right. You think so? I think don't eat the whole nachos, but yeah, pocket a little, pocket a little cheese for the inconvenience. I mean, yeah, I just didn't think it would be so wrong if I picked like something from the order for myself <laughs> for the inconvenience. <laughs> But he he was like, I used to work at Dairy Queen, and like people would do this stuff all the time. Well, yeah, because it's one thing if you like eat the whole thing and you're yeah. like, this wasn't my order. Yeah, I like and that's, my order. That's bullshit. Yeah, I, and especially like I have seen that in restaurants where yeah. like somebody will go eat three fourths of a hamburger, then come back up and be like, I didn't. This wasn't what I ordered. And it's like, come on, dude. Yeah. But if like we took it all the way home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Norm had very strong feelings about yeah. it. That I was very, I'm very Switzerland. Wrong. I can kind of see both of your guys' sides. I see. I see. But I kind of like that you kept a little cheese. You didn't keep the cheese, though. He didn't let he you do it. He would not allow me to do it. I mean, he was. And it was one of those things where I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get in a fight. Fight, over yeah. Over cheese. some stupid cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not worth it. Yeah. So what happened when you took it back? They I gave mean, you your new order. They were very apologetic. Did I mean, you get it for free? No. No. Did you get any money back? I don't think so. Did you get anything for free? No. Okay, that's dumb. See, I think so just so every like the timeline. It's the it was the day it was New Year's Day. Uh-huh. And every hungover person yeah. in like a ten mile radius was at Taco Bell. Yeah, because that's the best hangover food. Yes. Or if you're me, the best daily food. Yeah. So but that's man, your butthole's really got me sore. <laughs> Brandy, that's very inappropriate. Or <laughs> just calloused from all of that, that Taco Bell shoot now. It's there. more like a pipe now. <laughs> so I think, you know, Norman was the one who went in with the order. And yeah. I think he just felt bad for the lady because yeah. she was having a rough day. And like, mm-hmm. who wants to get into an argument over? So what do you get from Taco Bell? Well, if you must know, Brandy, I'm happy to discuss it with you. A crunchy Taco Supreme. And then... A cheesy gordita crunch. Uh-huh. I had to think because multiple times I've gotten up to the drive-thru and out of like stress or whatever, I accidentally panic and order the thing that Norman likes and that I hate. Oh, what is that? Which is the Crunchwrap Supreme. That's what Zach loves. Oh. That's his favorite thing. Yeah, Norman loves that too. Not a fan. It's too bready. 
There's yeah. like some beans in there. Yeah. And every time it happens, I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so I usually make him order because he knows he can always remember, yeah. you know, anyway, yeah. that's why we're such a good team. That's right. And all came down to this. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was not clearly the asshole in that No, situation. I don't think so. Okay. I think you would have been okay. Okay. If you didn't eat the entire nachos and you could have kept. Were you going to eat the whole nachos? Uh, yeah, I was. <laughs> all right. Well, then I think you're wrong. Really? <laughs> Okay, now hold on. I'm sorry, I ate the whole nachos before I realized I didn't fucking order nachos. Well, I here was my here was my thinking. <laughs> my thinking was they can't resell the food. They're yeah. not going to give it to anybody else. So if I've eaten half, why not eat all of it? No one wants my old half-eaten nachos, right? No, they're going to throw it in the trash anyway. Right. So I mean, I get why your logic wasteful? that it's wasted either way. I mean, mm-hmm. it's wasted if you don't eat it. And then stealing if you do eat. <laughs> I paid for some food. <laughs> you didn't pay for fucking nachos. You sound like Norman. <laughs> okay, I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> if you had ordered nachos, uh-huh. then the mistake is easy. Oh, I ate all these nachos and then realized that my cheesy gordita crunch was missing. No, that's that's not what happened. <laughs> I knew immediately something was amiss. Okay, well, I've been schooled. Um, I uh, so the long-awaited DP episode came out last week. Yes, people were very okay excited. at this time that we're recording. It's been out for a short amount of time, and the yes. feedback that we have gotten overwhelming, is overwhelming. Turns out y'all like being DP. I mean, they like him more than they like us. I think. <laughs> Are we going to get Team DP? <laughs> we might be. <laughs> I think we're getting phased out of our own podcast. <laughs> Can you imagine? My dad just takes over and people were like, well, he was really carrying this, this show. It was really meant to be. So. Devastating. Yeah. No, but I'm glad you guys are liking the DP. Yes, episode. thank you. Thank you to everybody who's given us feedback on that. I mean, we're glad that we can make DP's dreams come true and let him be on the podcast. What else is going on with you, Brandy? You know, I don't have a lot to report. Okay. Life is, uh, I'm like getting over like the little post holiday, you know, where you kind of like kind of re recalibrate yourself to normal life after there's not a get together every 24 hours. Um, speaking of, I still have a, another Christmas. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It, it was because, you know, like a big chunk of the family yeah. left. Oh, so yeah. So now we're back in town. It's time to do a white elephant, you know, nice. blah, blah, blah. When are you guys doing that? Uh, Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Some Friday. Some Friday. <laughs> um, Norman. Okay, do you see that massive box that is very poorly wrapped I there? Do. That's Norman's white elephant. And he won't tell me what he got, but mm. he's always very good. At getting excellent white elephant gifts. Mm. Did you ever see the photo of him that my sister ended up getting? You told me about it. Okay. I have not seen it. Sexy Norm, right? It, oh, man. So we took it on a trip to Colorado. We were at the top of a mountain. And <laughs> Norman hiked up his shorts <laughs> so far that, like, I mean, if They're you've practically ever practically underwear, yeah. If you've ever wondered about the contours of that man's ass, you know, you just see this photo. <laughs> oh, is it the back of him? Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's the back of him, shorts pulled way up, socks pulled way up. Nice. Um, and he's posed kind of like the Instagram models. Who oh, like, yeah. You know, they do that pose. It's like, yeah. here's all of my ass in all of its glory. Yeah. So he brought that to the family white elephant framed i might add excellent and um it was hanging in kyla and jay's garage mm-hmm. for like years and then they put their place on the market and for some reason they took it down weird i know That's it would weird. have sold the place probably <laughs> <laughs> would have gotten several offers above asking if that picture was included with uh, yeah purchase. yeah <laughs> well and the thing is there were multiple images that we took in that little photo shoot that you kept in just your own little private photo album. We call it the Spank Bank. <laughs> oh, no, there was like one where he's got his shorts hiked up, uh-huh. and then he's in a full squat. Oh god! Yeah, we decided the family didn't, didn't need, need that one. No. Oh, no. what do you think it is? I have no idea. That's the thing is like normally I know what it is because like I've taken the ridiculous photo, mm-hmm. but I mean it's a very large box. It's a large box. He was very giggly about it, mm-hmm. and every time I ask him about it, he gets very indignant. Doesn't mm-hmm. want to say. Well, I'm dying to know. You'll have to let me know what it is when it. Okay. Is revealed. What's your white elephant gift? I'm not telling you. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess this it will be matter. out by the time that. Okay. So it's this. It's very similar to the print that I got you. Oh yeah, but it's a little bigger and has all these Kansas City landmarks. Oh, I think it's super cool. Cute. Yeah. It's not supposed to be dumb presents? Some of them are dumb, some of them aren't. The butt picture doesn't sound like the greatest. Um, That butt picture, I mean, it all depends on who gets it. I mean, Kyla really appreciated the butt picture. Do you think she appreciated it too much? Like she's really into Dorman's butt now? Uh, No, I don't think so. (laughs) But then, like, I, that year I bought one of those, like, all in one bartending tools that, Mm -hmm. like, I figured. 75% 75% of the people there would want. Yeah. My dad ended up getting it, oh. which my dad. He drinks like a 19 year old girl. He likes his Smirnoff ices, yeah. his Mike's hard lemonades, and then the pre mixed stuff, margarita mix from Costco, yeah. which I can't knock that. I do like <laughs> that good. too. Yes. It is good. <laughs> Mike's hard lemonade, not so not much. Not so much. No, not a fan. I mean, I was when I was 19. Well, but. we all were. <laughs> uh,. Happy New Year. Yeah, ladies happy and New gentlemen. Year. Oh, do you have any resolutions or anything? Oh, gosh. Um, like, so my house is pretty organized right now because mm-hmm. we just redid the kitchen and stuff. So my resolution is to, to keep it that way. And okay. then, like, my bedroom needs to be reorganized. So to, like, keep up with what I've got going on and then keep it moving through the rest of the house. Are you going to do the Marie Kondo, like, hold everything? Does it spark joy? I don't think so. Not interested in joy, are you? I am very interested in joy, but I think I might keep too much stuff because I, it doesn't take a lot to make I was going to say, you're a pretty joyful pretty person. Pretty joyful, so. That might create a hoarding situation. <laughs> very good. Yeah. What about you? You got any resolutions? I normally like sit down and write them all out, yeah. and I haven't yet. All right. But Post TBD. For sure, I want to finish, finish a the good novel. draft of the book. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Good draft. Is the... Keyboard. Who is judging that? Because I bet the draft you have now is not 
as terrible as you think it is. I I agree. Yeah. It's probably not as terrible as <laughs> yeah. I think it is. But so I am the judge, okay. and I right. I want it to, to be. Do you good. think you'll ever get to the point where you think yes. it's good? Okay. Yes, this year. Okay, you. Taco Bell butthole. I'm not. No, I think it's probably good right now and that you are very, very hard on yourself. I just know I read a lot and I know that I would put it down. And mm-hmm. that fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I'd read the shit out of it. <laughs> what just happened? Well, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> All right, should we wrap this? Yeah, thing up? let's do it. All right, thanks guys for joining us. Um, we okay. Did you know? Okay, as of actual recording time right now. Okay, tomorrow is one year since we recorded our first episode. <gasps> no, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Yes. How do you how do you remember that? I just remember it. Wow. Wow, it was kind of a momentous occasion, Kristen. I'm glad it was so memorable for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, the the only thing I remember is that we were we were super excited, recorded a ton. We recorded so many before we released them. So we didn't release our first episode until the end of February. Yeah, man. Yeah. I was very intimidated by audio editing. Oh yeah, not intimidated by talking to you. No, that part about was the easy part. Crimes. Yeah, yeah, that was the easy part. Still for the sure. easy part. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Happy New Year to you. We hope 2019 is um, fabulous. Is fa- <laughs> yes, fabulous, <laughs> and everything that you hope it could be. Um, please take some time to find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Then hop on over to iTunes, leave us a rating, leave us a review, and then join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from the Forensic Files episode, The Disappearance of Hella Crafts, Newspapers.com, The New York Times, and Crime Library. I got my info from the Kansas City Star, Fox 4KC, The Gardener News, NBC News, and KCTV5. For a full list of our sources, visit LGTCPodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff.